good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. All right, here we go. Hour two of the show, off and running with you and me and Beeve and all of us here in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Coming up in just a few minutes, a guest. We'll catch up if everything goes according to plan with a old teammate of mine. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire. Customer inspired. Check them out at cspire.com. Now, we covered some ground in hour one uh, to, you know, kind of throw a couple of things into that conversation before we actually uh, move on to something else. The, the playoff, in case you're just tuning in, your SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, gave some quotes in a story here that it's, it's real deal. They go, look, conference expansion happened. There's one of these... You know, Power 5 conferences no longer exist, and that's the Pac-12, so we can't very well continue with this conference champion automatic bid stuff playoff format that we agreed to expand to next year. Now you got to go in and revisit that and change it up. So they're going to have to, and they will. There's also comments in this story from Mark Keenum, president, Mississippi State. There are some people who think they are the smartest man in the room. There are others who don't have to think it. They are, like <laughs> Dr. Mark Keenum. And I'm going to give you an example here. Dr. Keenum is the chair of the College Football Playoff Board of Managers. Okay? So, College Football Playoff, Board of Managers, he's in on it, chairs that committee, been in on all the conversations, all the talk, everything. And in this story, there are two people quoted, Greg Sankey, Mark Keenum. Well, Mark Keenum proposed a 12-team format. Let's expand to a 12-team playoff. But what Mark Keenum proposed had no automatic qualifiers. Now, this was last summer. This is only a year ago. And they eventually went to the 12-team playoff. They just put in the 6-6 six and six model to make 12. And the Six being six automatic qualifiers for conference champions that were the highest-ranked conference champs. Well, he didn't I mean, what he proposed. This is one year ago. Mark Keenum proposed, let's go to 12 teams. Just no automatic qualifiers. Just get the best 12 teams. Listen to the quote. Mark Keenum said, We spent a lot of time in discussion when we started down this path on how to get beyond four teams. He says, my position was that I wanted the top 12 teams. I understand there's great prestige being a major conference champion. He says, at the end of the day, though, it depends on where they're ranked. We want to make sure we have the best teams competing in our nation's playoff to determine the champion. Well, he's obviously coming from an SEC perspective, Southeastern Conference perspective. Because his school is in the SEC. And the SEC is at the top of the college football world. The SEC, no matter what playoff format you go to, the SEC probably coming away with the champion. Most, more often than not, that's been proven. No matter what format you go to, the SEC is probably going to end up, over the long haul, having more teams involved in it. That's been proven also. 
So it's a position of confidence, confidence. Okay, from Mark Keenan. He said, we want to make sure we have the best teams competing for the playoffs. So let's just have you go to 12, go to 12. But don't do the automatic thing. It's 12 best teams. He said, so that's where I've been. But again, as you work through something like this, you have to be willing to make compromises. Now, we're going forward with all the shifting of, of schools among conferences, and I don't think any of us know what the playoff will look like from 2024 on. So I go back to this, and then last thing, and then we'll move on. Mark Keenum, this time last year, said, sure, go to 12. Don't do this automatic qualifier stuff. Just do the top 12. Because you know what? Mark Keenum knew this conference expansion stuff was coming. He knew it. Who's in on all that? He's the chair. He's the president at one SEC school. He's the chair of all these committees. He's the chair of the College Football Board of Managers. He knew they were going to have conference expansion. He knew Texas and Oklahoma were coming to the SEC. He knew USC and UCLA were going to the Big Ten. And it was going to cause all this other stuff. He knew it, and so did others. So even then last year, he's saying, yeah, why do you want to do the top six? Do the top 12. He knew that would have been better to start with, the right thing to go to. He knew all this expansion was coming and knew what it would cause. A year later, having to sit down, redo the playoff format. But I think, just like Sankey said, because of the political stuff in the room, people with SEC envy, the way to get it down the road and expand it to 12, you agree to what they want to agree to. And I think that's one of the reasons they did as the SEC agreed to it, is they knew it wasn't going to last long. And I think Mark Keenum at the top of that list of people that knew it wasn't going to last long. Hindsight, 2020, man, that's me. <laughs> I didn't see any of that coming. I don't know if you did or not. Well, let's change the subject to something else nobody saw coming. 25 years ago. This time, August, 25 years ago. Two-a-days, back when you had two-a-days. And all during talking season, the media and the like predicted Mississippi State back in 1998 to finish last in the SEC West that season. Did they finish last that season 25 years ago? No! <laughs> they finished first in the West and represented the SEC West in the SEC Championship game. So the media being wrong has an annual tradition going way, way, way back for decades. The guy right in the middle of that Mississippi State team, both literally and figuratively, who was snapping the ball to the quarterbacks all year. He was an all-SEC performer on the offensive line for Mississippi State. Starting center on the offensive line, that 1998 team, all-SEC center, Eric Allen from Water Valley, Mississippi. And uh, he was a big-time player. And a big-time leader. And now he's big-time over in the banking world in the Birmingham area. And he's on your radio right now as we speak. Eric, welcome to the show for the first time. How was that for an intro? Did I get anything right in there? I mean, listen, I, I don't know what I've got to pay after the show for that, <laughs> but uh, it's worth it. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Glad to be on. Great to catch up with you. And, uh, yeah, I always listen. Anytime I can talk about the dogs and offensive line play, I'm here for it. Yeah, well, that's good. Eric, it's good to hear your voice, too, Eric Allen. Um, the starting center on that 98 team on your radio right now. And, Eric, um, 20, it, it doesn't feel to me like 25 years. What about you? 25 years ago? You wow. Think? When you say it out loud, it really <laughs> really hits hard. It does not seem like that. It seems, you know, I, I could say 5 to 10 maybe, but 25 yeah. is, yeah. is, is uh, really sobering. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, some things haven't changed, and one of those is games are won and lost on line of scrimmage. And even though we pay attention to the ball and the QBs and receivers, games are won and lost on line of scrimmage. So I wanted to ask you, you played the position, played at a high level, all-SEC player up front, and there's been a lot of chatter here over the last few weeks, people debating how big a deal it is for State's offensive line to transition from the air raid and the pass blocking the last few years to what they're going to be this year, more of a zone run scheme, kind of like everybody else. So for yeah. you as a guy who yeah. played it, start me off big picture. How difficult of a transition yeah. is that? Well, it's definitely a transition. Uh, no doubt about that. Now, I assume, and I think, you know, just what we did run last year, there was mostly just, you know, the five and didn't have a tight end or an H-back in the backfield. It was still some form of zone on that zone read. Uh, so a little bit of concept was there, but it's definitely a transition, Matt. I mean, anytime as, as you know, you know, just run blocking to pass blocking is different in general. Run blocking is more physical, just by concepts. You know, uh, pass blocking, you're protecting, keeping someone from going somewhere. Yeah. Run blocking, you're trying to move them somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's that's more physical. Uh, and then I would tell you, you know, we ran zone. Uh, as you know well, you 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 uh, were um, a quarterback for a lot of zone running plays mm-hmm. when we were there, and we ran the zone scheme, and it's a great scheme. It's very common, but it has a lot of what we would call fit. It and, and fits meaning how your how your feet, your hands, your helmet fit, and, and it's very technical and can be very technical. So it'll definitely be an adjust, adjustment. Doesn't mean you know definitely think those guys can do it. It's not like some you know a rocket science formula you have to figure out, but it takes reps. Okay, so and, you it, know it's a good thing they've been doing spring and so forth. Yeah. Okay, so it takes all those reps, and I guess that's my follow up. Okay, you, you you're in the position, you're in that. Either whether you're in that group of the first five or you're running with the twos and you're working with these guys on line of scrimmage. So those reps in practice, do they get you ready for that first game? Or or do you gotta you have to go play a game or two to be able to really kind of work it yeah. into, you know, like a machine? Yeah. Well, I think to get like a machine, you definitely have to have game experience. There's, you know, you can't simulate game speed in practice regardless. You know that. Yeah. Um, um, even, you know, in your position, throwing ball, same thing uh, at the line of scrimmage. Now, it can get you ready in one sense as far as just fundamentally your, your muscle movements, your, you know, being able to move without thinking about it. But, but the speed in which it all happens, uh, you, you're going to get better. They'll say in first game to second game, biggest improvement, and kind of goes from there. And I think that's, that's the case here as well. So, Eric Allen on your radio, all SEC center at Mississippi State in the 90s. He was a center on that offense in the 98 SEC West Championship team talking offensive line play. Also, the splits. Eric, you know, much has been made about that. People who haven't played on the offensive line won't really know as well as you would. You go from extremely yeah. wide splits and 
pass blocking where you're, even your guards are kind of by themselves to now we're in there yeah. tight and you got to be able to move without stepping on each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that can add, you know, it adds some difficulty uh, there as well. At the same time, it, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's difficult in that sense. It's also helpful in the sense that you're doing combo blocks, combination blocks. Uh, it's more helpful to be closer, right? So yeah. you can, uh, you're working with your guard, the guard and tackle working together, center guard, whatever, uh, whatever combination is there. And then two, you know, I think they, this, this new coordinator's office does a lot of stuff around the edge. If you're pulling people around the edge, mm-hmm. you're not spread out as far to get to the edge. So there, you know, it's an offset either way on that. I think, it, again, it takes rest, but that, there's an upside and a downside to it, to, um, the, the splits. Yeah. Nice. I think I may know the answer to this, I, and I may not. But all right. all right, so pass blocking, you backing up, catching somebody, run blocking, you go forward and you find somebody and look them up, hit them. Which one would you rather do as an offensive lineman? <laughs> yeah, you know, ultimately run blocking, you're there because you like to hit people. So typically, that's what you really enjoy doing, uh, especially if you know. Going back to, I just relay back to our time where you got uh, JJ in the backfield. We're running downhill at people, and um, you know, Coach Cheryl was just going to say, "Keep running again till you till we <laughs> till we get the yards we need." Right? So right, yeah. we enjoyed that, and and uh, when you're having success doing that, that's the most fun. Uh, of course, anytime you're not having success, it really turns on you. But we, I, I would say, if I had the preference, it would definitely be the run blocking aspect, uh, for sure. For sure, Eric Allen former Mississippi State Center on your radio. You know, you touched on something a second ago that, that we haven't really fleshed out much, Eric, and that is adding the tight end. You know, we consider the things that they may do to use a tight end as a weapon, but we hadn't talked much in what that does kind of for the group. So instead of, even in some pass situations, instead of five, we got six protect. Or in some run situations, it tackles the edge. Now he's got a guy outside of him. How does adding a tight end change things for the lineman? Well, it just it adds one more, you know, one more person in there that's got to be in sync and got to be moving together, right? The difficult yeah. part about offensive line play and why veteran offensive line play is so important. I think that's a huge advantage for us this year, us and of course the dogs. But um, it is you got to work together as one all the way across, right, all the time. So now you just got one more person. Possibly two more people have got a tight end that have to be in sync together. So the advantage is hopefully at the line of scrimmage, you have another physical player that can win at the line of scrimmage. And, and sometimes, you know, a good tight end is a hybrid type player that's got physicality and speed for passing, physicality for the line of scrimmage blocking. So, you know, hopefully you can take on that end or linebacker and win that battle at the line of scrimmage to get that advantage there. Of course, that's what you're looking for and why you have. Uh, the tight end in you know in the formation in that situation. So sure, Eric. Um, this past week, we got an announcement from the athletics department and and apparel going for sale that brings back that interlocking MSU logo that was on the side of the helmet when you played back in '98 and yeah, and, yeah. and on everything else. When you saw all that, kind of kind of what were your thoughts to see that come back out of the vault, so to speak? Well, you know, why so? Why did it take so long, right? That's <laughs> yeah. the person like, why? It, this should have been, you know, all along. No, excited about it. I, I love that logo. Of course, I'm biased with that logo. And I mean, yeah. I like all, uh, most of the two state logos, but that one being my favorite. 
uh, and the fact that we haven't had it in so long uh, kind of adds to it now. But yeah, initial thought was, well, it's about time. Let, let's let's get this going. So okay, so, absolutely. So, question: Do you have in your possession at your house or in the attic somewhere any original articles of clothing that you wore as a player 25 years ago with that logo on it? I just got to know. <laughs> Well, I got two answers to that. that. One is absolutely yes. How about this? My daughter wears my clothes to school on like a regular basis. <laughs> oh, that's house. great. She'll wear like an old sweatshirt, old MSU sweat. In fact, one of her favorite ones, Matt, is the old Peach Bowl when we used to, uh, like from 94, 95. Wow. And uh, yeah, so that, that, was, that logo has been over in uh, the Birmingham High School area <laughs> for the last few years because my daughter somehow dug in there and pull down put it on so that's great you know i think what i don't think i have any shirts or anything left over but what i have is uh in a little storage place in the attic eric is about four of Mm -hmm. those those big black duffel bags that we got each year for travel (laughs) and it's got the logo and i got like four of those up there that you know i'm sure you most of the guys on our team still have that thing laying around somewhere too yeah Yes, it's it's probably holding something else that you don't even know what's in it anymore. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's no right. Doubt. That's it. So as you kind of glance, um, you know, the program overall to kind of you know a little broader view than just offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts for this team going into this year? New head coach and kind of prospects yeah. for the season. What do you expect? I, you know, I'm excited about it. I mean, I think, you know, you look at the team just real quick last year, and, and you know, we really only had one bad game, and that was Kentucky. Mm. Uh, you know, you lose to Alabama and Georgia, tough game at LSU, so we're right there, uh, you know, right in that second group, ready to make a run to the first with a bunch of start, you know, starters coming back. Obviously, tragic situation in the offseason, but... Um, you know, I think it was a good move with our head coach here. You know, as, as much as we know, uh, I've met uh, him, and he seems seems to be a good fit. Uh, we got a lot of senior leadership coming back, so you know, I'm excited. I, I think there's going to be. Uh, I think we should have a really a really good. I'm expecting a really good season. Let me say it like that. Sure. Um, and excited about kind of the excitement the players have. You know, the fact that we have a lot of veterans saying, "Hey, what we've got." real and special and we think you know we're excited about it means a lot uh you know how that goes you sure as a freshman think everybody's really good but after you've played a few seasons and you still now you come back and say all right i think what we've got is is real that 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 gives me some legitimate you know encouragement there so i you know i i'm optimistic i think it seems like the fan base is with ticket sales and all that stuff so all that's really good so yeah um, yeah, I, I'm optimistic and excited about the year. Looking forward to seeing what, what happens with uh, Coach Arnett. You know, and I thought the same thing. You touched on it there, Eric. Just the value in having so many older guys in this transition. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're transitioning staffs because of a situation you didn't see coming, but then you look up. Well, let's just, right. use, just use offensive line for an example. They've got four of, yeah. the, four of the five starters coming back on that line are grad senior guys. Well, three grad seniors, one redshirt senior, and the other is like a regular senior. You know, so you, that age, when you get that many old guys together, from your perspective, how valuable is that? It, it, it's a big deal. Really big deal, especially when you have trans, some transition at the top. Well, on offense, you have a lot of transition, truthfully, right? right. I mean, yeah. defense is going to be very similar. Offense is going to transition pretty dramatically. 
but it helps, you know, it, it uh, shortens that learning curve and the culture of toughness and attitude, you know, to win, it's, it remains there. You don't have to replace that, you know, and that's a big part of, a big part of any team, a big part of any program is the culture among the players, among the team uh, that's there. So, I, you know, an offensive line is, you know, of course I'm biased to that and, and uh, pay attention to that a little more closely than, than others. But, um, you know, like I said, five people have to have to play as one. It's, it's not just one person out on that island. So having four of the five guys that have played a lot of snaps, a lot of games, been in a lot of stadiums together, uh, is a really, really big deal. Yeah, big deal. No, no doubt about it. Eric, man, it is so good to hear your voice. Appreciate some time, and let's do this again uh, throughout the year. We'll watch some games and kind of get back together on here and break it down a little bit, if you don't mind. I would love to. You just let me know when, and uh, we'll do it. All right, thanks, man. Yep, thank you, man. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Right. Thanks so much. That's Eric Allen. He was a starting center on that offensive line. In 1998, he was an All-SEC player up there up front. Um, you know, his dad, Coach Terry Allen, was a great high school coach around different parts of Mississippi, Water Valley, Ripley. I think Eric I think Eric played at high school ball at Water Valley. One of those leaders uh, on the, really in your entire team and really a heck of a player, really solid guy. And uh, knew you all to enjoy that. Hadn't talked to him and I vow, I vow, I've been vowing to do a better job myself of reaching out, touching base with guys, and trying to connect and maybe bring some back here to the radio a little more often too. Hope you enjoyed that. Your thoughts on those thoughts and more coming up in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, stick around. It's often difficult to satisfy that special hunger. Not here, because you've got Matt Wyatt. Oh, I am starving. Don't worry, he's got a menu full. Back with you, I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric Allen, former Mississippi State All-SEC starting center on the offensive line of that 1998 team. I believe 98 would have been Eric's uh, senior year. Maybe he would have been a senior on that. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Debbie commented on Facebook on the live comments thread, said that's so cool. Eric, as I know y'all that have been fans for a while enjoyed hearing from him. Uh, Jimmy commented, said, love it when you get past Bulldogs on. That was great. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Uh, Jimmy, Ernest T. on the country-pleasing text line. It's me, it's me. It's Ernest T. He said, great interview with Eric Allen. The fact that his daughter is rocking his old 98 State shirt at her uh, Alabama school is really cool. said, loved you having the former Bulldogs on. That seems to be going well. We'll continue to do more of that. 
Grumpy texted the show and said, Matt, Eric Allen, three thumbs up. Bring the guys back. Sign Grumpy. We'll do. Eric uh, was a heck of a leader. He was, like I said, he was older than me, um, a, little, a couple of years maybe. And so he was starting, and this would have been, I think, the 97 season. And I was a quarterback and uh, had a, a stretch where I didn't play very well at all. I, I wouldn't say that at any point that year I played really well. <laughs> Just a blip or two, but I had a stretch where I really didn't play very well at all. And we were still winning games uh, there that year because we had such a good run game and such a great defense, frankly. But I, I remember once, um, I don't remember what game it was. It was a home game. And, uh, you know, it wasn't going too well. I, I don't remember the score. Again, I can't remember the game. I, so many of my memories are fuzzy. But I do remember this. We came in at halftime. We weren't really happy with the way we were playing. And as we came in the locker room, we're all kind of sweaty or whatever. Somebody, as we go in, you know, you have a little bit of just a split second as you walk in before you start to, you know, positionally gather up and talk there in the locker room. And somebody grabs me on the arm, pulls me aside, and hands me something. And I grabbed it. I didn't know what it was. And I looked, and it was a note. It was like a letter, a note from a female. And I got it and opened it to see, you know, who it was and what it said. <laughs> and about that time, a big old Paul with one of them big sweaty gloves on it goes, pow, hits that, grabs that note and says, look at this. He said, we don't have, to. and it's Eric Allen. He gets in my face. You don't have time for this. Some note from some girl. He wads it up, throws it down and says, get in here and get your head screwed on straight. We got to go win a ball game. <laughs> and. You know, I was in the moment a little bit innocent, but just absolutely what a young guy needed was some older guy to jerk a knot in his tail and get your, I mean, <clears throat> head screwed on straight. Don't be distracted. And it was Eric Allen. That's the kind of leader he was. And every good team's got to have at least a handful of those guys. But guys like that, you take a guy like Eric Allen, he, you know, part of the program, older guy, coach's son, working his tail off on the line of scrimmage. you got to have guys like that who will keep everybody in line, no distractions at any point in time. Eric was a real leader. All right. Mississippi Barbecue Trail. What a great name on the uh, uh, YouTube live comments thread. He is um, he's talking about State's offensive line here. Okay, he goes, so number 58, Cameron Jones, right tackle. Okay, so you're talking about senior. 64, Stephen Lasoya, guard. 57, Cole Smith, center. 66 is Nick Jones, left guard. 69 is Dollar Bill Johnson, left tackle. So they are averaging 315 across the line. Yeah, they do not have any sort of lack of uh, – Width and girth. I mean, the size and athleticism is there. And I'll tell you this, you know, <laughs> it's it sort of lumping me in with what I was talking about earlier at the beginning of the show, how right now during talking season, every team will tell you, boy, our strength coach has done a great job, and our guys are bigger and stronger and better shape than we were last year. We're faster than we were last year. You know, all these everybody says that every year. And you got to be positive. Like, nobody tells you what they really think in those interviews. Therefore, they, we've kind of wasted our time with a lot of it. But 
I will tell you that Tyson Brown and that, that group, um, they are in really, really good physical condition. And um, by all accounts, they have had a very tough old school physical fall camp as much as you could have you know again the rules are so much different now they seem to be changing every year but you heard eric allen there the center on the 98 team but you go back to 98 i mean you had two a days okay and you had anywhere from 13 to 15 straight days of two a day practices and there were no rules about how much hitting you could do so they have the coaches so you could go for three straight days of you'd practice twice a day, and in the mornings you'd go shorts, shoulder pad, helmet, which included a good bit of contact, and then in the afternoons you go full pads. We're hitting and tackling, blocking, just like you know, it's full contact in the afternoon, two times a day for three, four straight days. Now you know, I guess the NCAA started with yeah, eliminating two a days. They started with that. So the first thing you did was go, no more practicing twice a day. That's it. None of that. You can only have one practice a day. And they put time limits on it. And then they came back and go, oh, by the way, you cannot have a full pads, full contact practice two days in a row. <laughs> and, and certainly, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that go, okay, we don't have on – full pads but we got on shorts and helmet and under here under our shorts we got on some pads under there too and no we're not full contact we just we're about seven eighths contact <laughs> and maybe they get around it some that way but i guess the point being as much as you can in within the context of today's rules they've had a they've had a tough one coach arnett is is not um playing around and you're going to hear some more about that Sven commented on the YouTube live thread and he said this is the most senior driven offensive line I ever saw on any football team we're literally too deep outside of center I think they're going to give Will and Woody great protection well here's the other thing about that Sven see it is still a team game I was talking about this the other day with somebody is so often we will, as fans, we'll, we'll look at certain things on a football team and we'll treat it in the conversation like baseball. Where you go, okay, let's talk about catchers. <laughs> and we talk about the catchers and it's sort of individual. Let's talk about starting pitching. And it's, a, and, and it's much more individual in those realms. But in football, if we're talking about an offensive line group, and they're older, and they're making a transition from one offense to another. Well, a huge part of that transition is the kind of skill players you have. Here's what I mean by that. Yes, veteran offensive line. But what if, what if they kind of work themselves up where they're ready to go, you know, tighter splits, working together, whatever, as a team. But what if you had an inexperienced guy at quarterback who couldn't effectively call things at the line of scrimmage, check to a, a running play, or check to another gap at the line of scrimmage if you needed to. If you couldn't pull that off, you're just limited to, we call it in the huddle, we get on the line, we run it. They may line up in a way that, 
we don't need to be running this. But we don't have a guy behind center who can change a play. Right? And so instead of running for 168 yards in a game, you run for 68 yards because they stuff you a bunch. And everybody gets in the post game and go, man, the offensive line struggled. They couldn't block anybody. Well, the untrained eye might think that, see, but you you may look at it and go, you know, for this to work, we got a guy we really need a guy with experience who if if defensive coordinator is moving his chess piece around, he can see it and go, easy, easy. Check. You know, twenty-eight, check, twenty-eight. He's still got time on the play clock, and now we're running the right play for what they've lined up for. And as an offensive line, you fire off. Now you got the right guy pulling in the right position, and bam, we're off. 15 yards, first down, here we go. See, and the, the worst nightmare for any good defensive coordinator is not the offensive coordinator on the other side. That's not the matchup. It's not defensive coordinator versus offensive coordinator. It's just not. Once the clock starts and we've kicked the ball off, worst nightmare for the defensive coordinator is a quarterback on the field who can move and shift and change plays and get people lined up and can manipulate you. Right? That's his worst nightmare. I do everything. I get this situation. They, they've had this tendency on third and eight. It's third and eight. I called. Oh, I'm lined up perfectly for it. Quarterback sees it. He's got 18 seconds on the clock. He goes, easy, easy. Checks the play at the line. You know, you can't get out of your blitz. You blitz. He throws a flare. Running back catches it. 20 yards later, it's first down down the field. Defensive coordinator pulling his hair out because a quarterback is operating, and it makes everybody else look good, including the offensive line. It's a team game. they got to operate as a team. Skill players make linemen look good. Linemen make skill players look good. It all works together. Stick around. The amazing hits. That one is huge. To all the amazing plays. Matt Wyatt has got it all for you. Just listen to that. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. I would like to chat with a man named Beaver right now, please. Hey, Beaver, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Matt Wyatt. So this music from Always Sunny. You know, and I have several tracks, including one that's got this little bell in it. You notice the bicycle deal? Hear that? Beaver, I would like to introduce you to something that is now in the studio, in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Now, Beaver, I need you to confirm that you can't see this. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to use the word <laughs> confirm, but I can't see anything yep. over there. Well, listen to this. I have in my hands, in my possession, a nice, brand new, shiny, always sunny 
Bicycle Bell. You know how I got this, Beaver? Hmm. Do you care? Are you interested at all? <laughs> well, my first thought is whatever. You probably broke it off that bike you stole that Annabeth told me about <laughs> when you went on vacation. No, it's not that interesting, actually. Oh. Uh, what it is is this came with the bike I bought to take on vacation, and I never put it on it. Instead, it was in the bottom of the car. It's been sitting down on the floorboard of the car for two months now. <laughs> True story. And, uh, well, I guess a, month, a little over a month, month and a half, and she just brought it in here. She was tired of looking at it in the car, I think. And so she brought it to me, and I thought, man, what a cool tool to have. I need to figure out a way to mount this somewhere in the studio. And, Beaver, now, you, I want a fully honest, 100% honest, don't pull any punches, and I know I don't have to tell you that, uh, opinion of the following idea. And that is, instead of always when I'm about to talk to you, since we don't always see each other, instead of hitting this, You know, the music. I just reach over and go. <laughs> you know what? That's not a that's not a bad idea. Okay. I think it, it could be used there. It could also be used for anytime someone says, for example, anytime Jason starts talking about his nonstop Arizona weather reports, <laughs> like they matter down here in Mississippi ring the bell, stuff like that, uh -huh. a running theme here. Mm -hmm. Whenever someone says something or if someone says something incredibly crazy, I don't I don't know. Yeah. But it's, these are just it's just a jumping off point. Just an about right. It's a it's a it's a little bit of an audible segue. <laughs> now Debbie is very much for this idea. On Facebook on the comments thread she says here LOL yes beaver. I'm, you say Debbie? Yeah, Debbie said that. Well, I don't know Debbie, but I'm not going to argue with Debbie, so <laughs> let's do it. Okay, so now i got to find a place to mount this here. Like I, I've got this, it's a three-tiered standing desk, and so I could bolt it down to the desk here somewhere where it's out of sight, out of mind, but I just reach down and, and you hear that, it means beaver's coming. <laughs> I love it. Let me hit okay, it. Okay, I... I am absolutely seeing this scenario, or as some people would say, scenario, which yeah. drives me insane. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> where, okay, you're going to be ringing this bell. Yeah. And you're busy and, doing something else. <laughs> and, no, y your wife is over there like, yeah, right. what's happening up there? No kidding. She definitely will walk in here and tell me to stop. There ain't no yeah. question about it. Yep. And, and won't care if the microphone picks it up. She'll open the door and say, quit. I'm on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's possible. But, hey, that's entertainment, too. So it's it's a really cool bell. All right. Uh, so, yeah, instead of putting on a – because I'm not riding the bicycle anymore around. There, there's nowhere to really ride it in Tupelo, Beaver. You know, we've got the Natchez Trace, but I don't want to be that person who gets out on the Trace and holds up traffic. And there's so much traffic on the trace that if I'm pulling over on my bicycle on the, the side of the road for every car that comes by, then that's all I'm going to be doing. 
Jimmy what has. About, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, what about in your neighborhood? Yeah. See, that's the other thing. It's not it, a bike friendly layout. Can I just. All right. I got I to gotta level with you something here. Beaver, my neighborhood in Tupelo is very, very bike friendly in certain places. There's one main, you know, drag that kind of comes through that does have a lot of traffic. Sometimes people drive too fast. But there's all these little side roads, neighborhood roads, be perfect for riding a bike. Here's the problem. We have a problem with something I like to call GCC here in my neighborhood. Beaver, the letters that are, are GCC, and here's what it stands for. Golf cart culture. See, I could also use the bell when I make a point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> golf cart culture. There's people buzzing around on golf carts everywhere. And nobody walks anymore. Have you noticed this? Yes, yes. I'm so glad you said this because I, I often mention Saints, bro. His neighborhood, and it's the first time I've ever witnessed a neighborhood like this. They love driving golf carts around their neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. What one last season, last football season? I remember walking outside after a, a Sunday of football, and there was one. Of course, it was a a young punk <laughs> driving his. Driving his golf cart around, or I should say driving dad's golf cart around to be right. more honest. But he had these he had these big speakers hooked up to his golf cart. He was blasting <laughs> his music. I can't stand that man. Yeah, y'all listen. listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Here's my music. Even if you don't want to, y'all listen to it. Because you're gonna. You got no choice. By. You got no choice. I'm on my golf cart. This is me time. I'm on my cart, my music. Beaver, I can't stand that. I tell you what, here's how old guy get off my lawn I am nowadays. Guys playing golf who, without asking anybody around them, they're on the golf cart, a golf course. You know, they're about to hit their approach shot on a par four. And they got the loud music blaring out of their golf cart. Listen, I the part of the reason I'm at the golf course if I'm there is to get away from crap like that. And come here for that. Here's another one for you, Beaver. You let's just let me let me give you a scenario. You're at the beach with friends. Something. And maybe you don't even know them. Okay? You're at the beach. Somebody rolls up. They pull their wagon up, get their stuff out. Boom. Big speaker. Start blaring music. Mm -hmm. Assuming that you, for your downtime on the beach, want to listen to their music. And that's the same thing, isn't it? I know it's yeah, but now I'm having flashbacks of... I remember a time back in 1999. <laughs> I was that guy who Did took an acoustic guitar to the beach. <laughs> yes. So What'd I you guess play? in my oh, what everyone played back in the any time there was a guy with an acoustic guitar back in the mid more late than words. 90s, What's that song? <laughs> more than words. <laughs> well, the choice back then was always any time you saw someone in a 
in a public setting with an acoustic guitar, they just start strumming Wonderwall by Oasis. <laughs> yes. Right, because anybody can play that. Or they, No, I shouldn't say that. Not anybody can play that. Everybody thinks they can play that. <laughs> okay, yeah, Wonderwall by Oasis. Who, you know, they, they were pretty good. Okay, they were pretty good. Oasis was pretty good. I didn't mind Oasis. I wouldn't listen to it now, but I'm saying. Okay, well, golf cart culture, GCC. Nothing wrong with golf carts. They're awesome. I just think especially kids, Beaver, here's what I don't like. I don't like looking around my neighborhood, and in the afternoons after school, every neighborhood street has a golf cart with about three or four kids buzzing around on it. And I'm thinking, exercise. Walk right away. No, not around here. Kids, just driving that golf cart. So that's the reason that... uh, Now, I did get a suggestion. Chuck, who's familiar with Tupelo, commented on the YouTube live stream. He said, ride it around Veterans Park or Ballard Park. And I definitely could, but there's two problems with that, Chuck. One is you got to load the bike up and get it down there. That's not bad. But the other is the way I know myself too well. I can't be confined to just one park. If I go and take my bike down to Veterans or Ballard Park, I am going to wind up leaving there on my bike going further. And I am going to probably ride it somewhere I shouldn't ride it. (laughs) I just know myself too well. Danny says I should take this into the radio booth with Neil Price, and every time State gets a first down, go. (laughs) We'll see how long that lasts. Maybe we can get it sponsored. All right, that's it for today. See you all tomorrow. Same time, same place, Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. See you.